Hi, I'm Phoebe Lovett and this is Deep Read, a podcast where I have conversations with big thinkers about big ideas. Every episode is accompanied by a further reading list, which you can find at phoebe.substack.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could like, subscribe and share it with a friend. Thank you for listening. My guest today is the author Sheena Patel, whose debut novel, I'm a Fan, was published to widespread acclaim in 2022. The book is an acerbic and sharply observed portrayal of contemporary power dynamics, be they professional, sexual, racial or social, as well as the ways in which social media has become a toxic enabler for the very worst of our human impulses. On a rainy day back in the summer, I had a thoughtful and thought-provoking conversation with Sheena about all the above and so much more, concluding with a real deep dive on all the books that Sheena loves and recommends. She gives a great list. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, good morning, Sheena. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How's your, how's your summer going? Um, it's okay. It's a bit busy and also wet, but nice. I've just moved house, so that's oh, wow. really exciting. Yeah. Are um, you in like a totally new area? Yeah, I'm in a totally new area, but I subletted down the road, so I know the area. I got to know the area, and then when I needed a place to live, I was like, okay, I have to stay here because all my friends are down the road. Like I'm 14, so oh my I god, thought, that's my dream. Are you still are you still in London? Yeah. Yeah. I talk about this all the time. Like, I think it's like one of the top three determinants of your quality of life if you live near your friends. And obviously London is such a big city that I don't live near any of my friends anymore. Everyone's just sprawled out. And I have like fantasies about us all living in the same neighbourhood, but I just don't oh, think it's ever going to happen again. So I envy you. Well done. I know. Well, I purposely decided to stay in the area because I know, like, I'm, I'm going to bring my bike over, but I'm like a line, like a 10 minute line bike ride away from my mates. And it's like, it's oh really, really Oh my God, really that's nice. the dream. Is it near it where you grew up or you just end up no, coincidence? No, not at all. Totally new area. So, um, and I'm right by the river as well. So that's been lovely. And there's a lot of green out of the window. So I've just like got elements that will just keep me really happy. That's exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. When I originally contacted you, you said you were in Florence. Was it Florence? I was in Florence, yeah. Was that a work commitment or were you just spending some time out there? I was in, I got really burnt out last year. I did too much. And um, I was think I needed to move, but I wasn't sure what to do because something I had lined up fell through. And um, my Nina, who's in, who runs Rough Trade Books, who did the hardback, she was she came with me the first time I went out to Rome because the books come out in Italian. So we went out there, and I'd never been to Rome before, and I just kept crying at everything, and I felt like I was dead. And then it kind of brought me to life, Rome. Mm. Um, and she was like, "Why don't you just stay here through January? You could just come here. What's stopping you from being here? There's not like nothing at the moment keeping you in London." Mm. And I was like, that is so wild. And it took me ages to sort of wrap my, because that was in October, and it took ages for me to wrap my head around the fact that I could do that. Yeah. So I've just been, like, back and forth from Italy. But I was in Florence because of a book, like a book talk thing. Mm-hmm. But it's really, I've always been afraid to go to Italy because I was like, I'll love it too much. And, I'm, and I've gone now, and I do love it too much. I'm just like love it so much like it's so, it's so boring it's such a boring thing to say about yourself that you love Italy because like everybody loves Italy but um what do you think is it about really, what do you think it is about Italy that you're that, you're that everyone's got their everyone's into each other's business everybody talks mm. to each other and I'm the same I'm like there's no yeah. real boundary between me and you I'm like I can talk I can have a, I can have an opinion about a thing and like people just start talking to you and yeah. I was in Rome for a long time um so people just start talking to you and I just feel like the culture is very Indian actually. Right. Like it's a very Indian setup. Um, so it feels sort of familiar and also everything is gorgeous. And I know it's got its issues because, you know, like anywhere. We can just yeah. that. ignore that I know bit. It's got its issues, um, but I'm quite happy to overlook them because it makes me happy. Yeah. 
Fair enough. I mean, listen, we've got to survive in this world. And sometimes yeah. you just got to choose to focus on the beauty. And yeah, I do, I, and I I've do not spent that. a huge amount of time in Italy. I feel like I've spent more time in other European countries in Italy. But I think that probably almost similar to what I was talking about with like living near your friends, going somewhere where there still seems like there's sort of as much as it's like a cliche co-opted word at this point, like a sense of community and intimacy and like real city life, which I feel like even in London is, I don't know, I don't experience it as much as I did when I was growing up here. I feel like there's something very comforting about that if you crave it. Yeah, for sure. I like a lot of contact. That's what I've realised. Like a lot of, um, I mean, I like physical contact anyway, um, but I like a lot of social contact, contact, even if I'm watching other people. Yeah, you want to step even out and be in it. Yeah, even yeah. if I'm not part of it, I like watching it around me. I think the thing that depresses yeah. me is when there's nothing around that around me. Like if there's lots of people talking to each other, I'm happy. Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm the same. Don't ever go and live in. I lived in. I do. I mean, maybe you like LA. I lived in LA for a few years, and I feel like that's if you're the kind of person who needs to step out and feel like see something and feel something and catch a catch a vibe. LA is not. Yeah, yeah. It's not a great place to live. And I went to live there when I was really young, like in my early twenties, and um, stayed for a long time, and still trying to. Are you from Tottenham? No, I'm not from Tottenham. Why did you think I was from Tottenham? I don't know. You sound like you're from Tottenham. Where are you from? I live not too far from Tottenham now, actually. But no, I actually, weirdly, I grew up in the centre of London. Um, I grew up. I know. Do you know the Brunswick Centre? I grew up in that building. Really? Yeah. I didn't think, like, real people lived in that building. Council buildings, council flats. Hey. Yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously, a lot of it's been sold and privatized yeah. now. But yeah, I lived in it because it was my mum applied for uh, council housing in Camden, and it's a council property in. Wow. Camden. Yeah, mad. I know. So I grew up in Central. Wow, that's London. amazing. You spent so much time in LA, and now you've got a US link. That's kind of wild. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I like I. I think because I spent so much of my formative life, my formative years in, in in the US, I definitely feel really connected to it. But I, after LA, I lived in New York, New York, and I think just suited my sensibility a lot more because I'm the same as you. Like I wanna, I wanna step out and feel something. Even London, sometimes I find a bit too. I live in quite a quiet place now, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to be somewhere like noisy and like you yeah. know. Where I'm living now, it's super, it's, well, where my friends live, it's very noisy. So I like that I can, you know, like 10 minutes away from somewhere where there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of like life in the streets and it still feels a bit wild and like old London. Yeah, old London. That's exactly it. And that's what I, that's what I, I think I'm always trying to reconnect to is like the the way that London felt when I was growing up. And you still, obviously there's still loads of pockets you go through and you're like, okay, this still feels like old London, but then there's some of it that just feels like hipster Disneyland, you know? Totally. I like, I I had this um, idea of like London as this. So I went to, when I went to Rome, it's like the most grown up city, like that you can't not be a grown up. And I was, I've never lived in, I've never lived anywhere but London. And, you know, I've stayed in London my entire life. Yeah. Um, so going to Rome was really interesting because I was I there's no memory of me there other than now, and mm. so there's no there's no other version of me other than the one I want to present. I have complete control over the version of me that I want to present to this place. Mm-hmm. So I was there and I was like I'm sexy now, and then as soon as I came back to London, I had like the messiest night out and got a McDonald's and then in the McDonald's I had the number 69 like I was with my friends and I was just like I need a McDonald's and just left everyone and then walked 20 minutes to a McDonald's to the Tottenham Court Road McDonald's which is like a nightclub it's like the wildest place in the world I haven't been in there for a long time I have to confess oh my god and there was a period where I was getting a lot of McDonald's to be honest and I've had to like stop it but I got there and I had a number 69 on my receipt and then uh, the guy went 60 I was there for like 45 minutes but I stayed and then the guy went 69 and the, the whole McDonald's went, Way! and I was like, I've just been in Rome where I've been a grown-up and now I'm here. I'm a like, grown-up woman sleep. from Rome. I'm not partaking <laughs> in this. And then I fell yeah, asleep I on the tube with the McDonald's in my hand and, and went to the end of the line and I was like, this Instant is London. regression. <laughs> yeah, huge regression. And that's what London's always felt to me is like a real teenage child place. 
Right. I think it's, I, I, I can relate to that because I think when one of the things I loved about moving to the US when I was quite young was like, I got to, not that I completely recreated myself, like it wasn't, you know, some mental transformation, but I think I moved in my early 20s and, you know, when you grow up in London, like by the time you're in your early 20s, you've really sort of set an identity, you've been yeah. set an identity. And it was like a really exciting early new chance to like revisit that and and think like, oh, actually, you know, maybe I don't want to be that kind of person. And yeah, I, f- I find I'm a different version of myself in the US. And I think that's part of the appeal of living anywhere. Like you can just sort of tap into a side of yourself that is hard to access when you're in a place with, totally. like you say, overwhelming memories and connections and friends and all of that. Yeah, but I just, but I think London's growing up it was being made to grow up like even where I'm living now it's it's totally built up and probably gentrified to fuck really um yeah but I thought it would calm down so I, I didn't move for a while and it just hasn't so I was just like fuck it I can't like my life can't stop just because Britain just seems like it's lost a sense of what it is and yeah so you said you were saying that um you still hear me okay yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great. Sorry, I just switched my headphones because they were a bit they were a bit distracting. <laughs> um, <laughs> you you were saying that you were burnt out last year, which I assume was correlated to the with the publication of your brilliant well, book. Well, yeah, and also I was on a very intense job, and I was doing okay. two things together. Wow. Um, yeah. So obviously, I reached out to you because I wanted to talk about your book, which. I think I feel like and I feel like a lot of people I've seen like on Twitter and stuff I feel like a lot of people had this experience where they started reading and they didn't put put it down until they finished it basically like I read it in probably or, less or they started it and put it down immediately and <laughs> not for not for me not for me <laughs> I didn't have that experience of it at all I found it it was um like quite mesmerizing and sort of I feel like I just got sucked into it and I think I started reading on a Friday night and then I'd like finished it by Sunday morning Um, Mm. and I found it really interesting and I'm sure this was considered on your part that the sort of the addictive, the book is literally quite addictive the way it's written. It like keeps pulling you along and it did remind me of in a good way of like the, the way it can feel to pick up your phone and then like not, and then you wake up, like you come around three hours later and you're like, Whoa, what just happened? You know? So I was just interesting a bit in, uh, in like your sort of your background in writing and how you came to cultivate what is a very like distinctive style. Um, well, it's uh, nothing. I've always wanted to be creative. Mm. Um, I've always felt like I had something in me that needed to get out, but I wasn't sure how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only really started to make sense when I uh, started this collective with my friends. Yeah. Um, called Four Brown Girls Who Write. And we we sort of took ourselves, took each other and threw that ourselves seriously as writers because we were sort of accountable to one another. Mm-hmm. And um, things happened quite quickly in that we had, a, we put up, we self-published a book. It was all very DIY. It was very, very DIY. Like we self-published a book. What was the book about? Um, it's like, it's a poetry. It was like a, a book of our poems together. Like mm-hmm. we were all written separately, but it, it was a way of putting something physical in a world where that was like in 2017 mm-hmm. or 2018. We started in 2017, but you know, in a world that felt quite digital. And, and at the time there weren't very many black or brown writers like our age. Yeah writing books kind of thing yeah and um even though that doesn't feel very long and everything's changed quite drastically but at that time it was like publishing could have been really like this totally you know it we just didn't know how to do it so we thought this is the way that we'll make this happen for ourselves yeah so we just thought, thought if we created a sense of gravity around us then we could bring the thing in that we wanted yeah um but it's very much like I taught my, I did an English degree and I love reading. I've read my whole, I'm a reader. Um, and it's not, it's, I tried all sorts of things. I did an art foundation in my twenties and really tried to find a way to 
express myself and then writing sort of happened and I didn't really take it seriously because I'd, mm-hmm. I'd done a bit when I was a child but the collective made me take it seriously mm-hmm. but we were writing poetry and I wrote very bad poems but the other the others are like actual poets um right and then we get some pamphlets out in lockdown and I I went out into prose like mm-hmm. prose poetry and then I guess the books come from that really mm. but it wasn't I don't know I, I don't really I don't know how it's I don't really know why it's resonated this much it's really really confusing because I um I thought it was such a twisted person and so dark and also it was very intentional to make it dark and for there yeah. be, to be no redemption I didn't want there to be like an overarching like and then she gets better sort of story it was like no 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 like sinks down and then she's elite instagram and lives happily ever after yeah yeah and then she defeats defeats social media giants no it was never going to be a story about that i didn't want it to be and there was like other political decisions to make it the way that it the way that she is there was political decisions behind that um but I don't know, I just worked really hard and it was in lockdown, so I had nothing else to do. And mm. um, I was like not mentally in a very good place. So I was like, this is the way to, to sort of focus my mind is to just put yeah. absolutely everything into it and yeah. then have something to show for the year, really. That's all I did it for was so I could show myself that I did something that year rather right. than just like rock my head. <laughs> Fair enough. And then you, and so you wrote the whole thing and then you started shopping it around to try and get a publishing deal. No, no. I, it, it, so the pamphlets were published by Rough Trade Books. Okay. And um, in, well, it was supposed to be April 2020, but then they came out in November 2020. Yeah. And then I started writing this. So I hadn't written anything since like June or something. Mm. And then I started to write I'm a Fan in 2022. Yeah. No, that's wrong. 2021. And um, the rough trade books were like, just write a book and we'll do it with you kind of thing. We'll like yeah. help you. It's amazing. It. So, it did, so nobody, I wasn't shocked around. There was no, 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 yeah. no agent, nothing. Yeah. Just like straight do to. Do a thing, I'll help yeah. you do a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I love that directness. I think, and also what you were saying, to, just to go back to something you said a little bit earlier about, sort of bringing I can't remember the exact word you used but like sort of you and your friends legitimizing yourself by self-publishing and that like I think there is still something so powerful about um putting something in print making it physical and I've had that experience of well as of self-publishing something and then that leading to another opportunity within publishing and like I go back and forth I don't know what your experience are because it sounds like you've had quite um an unconventional experience of, of publishing a book, but I go back and forth on whether it's actually better to self-publish, you know, if you can figure out getting the production sorted and the distribution, I think so many writers aspire to getting this big, massive book deal. And then actually there's a lot of drawbacks to that process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am glad that, I mean, I'd still consider myself quite DIY the way how everything's got sort of officiated around me is is the thing mm. that I've, I've found quite the thing I've needed to get used to because I'm yeah. used to like almost you know metaphorically and have actually done it where you just have a bag full of your stuff and you just go you know you're putting on nights you're selling yeah. your own books you're you're trying to find people on the same level as you yeah. to collaborate with in order mm-hmm. to get something done and yeah. you're like yeah just finding people around in in the scene to sort of lift each other up and amplify one another I think that's a real London thing like I, kind of, I talk about this quite a lot there's like a scrappiness to you know DIY and still like quite a punk DIY ethos to the way that people it's obviously changing now massively not in no small yeah, part because right. of Instagram and all the things that you talk about and it's yeah. funny to me that you said that you're not quite sure right it's resonated because to me like it hits every single point of like what so many people are you know, you've done that thing where you've like articulated so many of these nuances of digital culture, you know, like the way that social media intersects with race and class and all these things. But no, it's because it's all so ephemeral. It's really hard to like pinpoint why it all feels so weird. And, you, <laughs> and you're like, this is why it's weird. 
Oh, it's nice. weird. Yeah, it's weird on all these that. levels. There's a lot of levels it's weird on, and let me break them down for you. First <laughs> so of I all, would say, um, first of all, these are like be a doctor. But I would say I went to I went and did a gig in Liverpool, and I yeah. was astounded at how the energy in Liverpool. It's amazing. Really. Like, how everybody's really, they, everyone is talking all the time. You just hear people chatting, chatting, chatting all the time. And mm. um, the night I went to, um, they had these like 16-year-old boys in a band playing, you know, playing their, their their songs and like not even covers, like their actual songs. And it just felt like a real DIY spirit, like mm. making for making sake, not making to make, right. you know, but to make, just to be a maker. And, yeah. Um, I found that really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Whereas I in like, London, oh. I suppose there's, there is, and again, this is something the book I feel like explores so well is sort of how social media and even just, you know, real life culture in London can give you proximity to different like bastions of power, whether it's, you know, cultural capital, money, whiteness, whatever it is, but also, you know, you, you're an, you're like, there's so much of the book is about the feeling of being an outsider Outside. and fi- figuring, yeah. do you, do yeah. you want to get in actually? Yes, you do. But also you don't. And sort of exploring that conflict. Which... Yeah. And like the idea of thresholds, I was very interested in thresholds mm. as, as, and buildings and architecture, you know, influencing how your body behaves in those spaces. Right. Um, the weird ways it can act upon you. Like I've just recently this week just had a lot of meetings and going to like all these members clubs in Soho, mm. which before I would shit myself. And I, even the idea of going to an office or um, a members club like that, I'd, I would really have a lot of anxiety about how to open the door. <laughs> Right. and how to like even enter mm, and how to save because suddenly yeah. you're just like and I didn't feel I mean I felt like that maybe like five percent of what I used to feel or ten percent mm. of what I used to feel um but there's like a real thing that I don't think is really acknowledged on how you feel locked out literally locked out spaces and how buildings can make you feel mm. that way Mm-hmm. and make some people feel that way and some people feel like you know they have a right to walk into that space and the, the different ways then that your behavior of your body means that other people react to you because if you look uncomfortable they know you're not used to it therefore they can treat you a bit shitter right whereas like if you the, act like you've got like the 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 body language equivalent of stealth wealth like the idea that yeah, you have to exactly. move very like silently and smoothly to indicate that you know what you're doing yeah and like you've been here before you know where the toilet you know you like that there that the building isn't bigger than you you're bigger than the building it's like but even that it's like how do you even Mm. how do you gain how do you do that you know how how does that become a part of you and so I wanted that to be a part of this character which is that she's envious you know on multiple levels but it's like what what would be the direct opposite of you and then make that person your sexual opponent right and then his, which I think his, is like a nightmare, to be honest. What the the idea of sort of coveting a relationship with someone who sort of embodies everything that you're not. Well, even that 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 person's your rival, right? Everything that you're not, every way that you aspire to be, this person is, and not only that, they're not just like a friend or someone you know. It's like they are after the same person as you. It's just like, Ugh! um. So I was just, that's kind of. And it's like that plays with the idea of shadow, you know, it's mm. that, that that your deepest shame, the deepest things that you fear are embodied by someone else who has those things that you want mm-hmm. and you both hate it, hate it because they are that thing and they're your rival, but you also want that. And that very thin line between jealousy and desire mm-hmm. where when you fixate on something, that's because you want it or because you want to, you know, that kind of, do you want to kill it? Do you want it? Mm. do you want to have sex with it do you you know do you want to get rid of it it's like it's very confusing like sometimes when I look at women I'm like is it because I want to be you know and you get deeply you know when you're a teenager it happens so much where you're friends Mm. with someone and then 
you're not sure whether it's because you fancy them or because you know you just you love them or is it because you fancy them do you want to be them do you want to fuck them it's all really like murky you're not sure what it is and I thought that that would be quite interesting to explore 100 percent. and I think obviously social media is given because when I was reading so obviously for anyone who's listening who hasn't read the book which you should because um it's brilliant but you know very broadly it's about a woman who's in a sort of um somewhat unrequited would you we can't even really call it relationship situation <laughs> with a man and she's also simultaneously like very aggressively cyber stalking this man's other lover that's a very broad 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 um <laughs> overview of the plot is about a million things more than that but when I was reading it, I was thinking, what did people do before they could like online stalk their partners, exes, current, like, was there just no outlet for this kind of human impulse or how, because so obviously I've done it. Everyone I know has done it. You've looked up a partner's ex or, or, you know, you've, whatever it is, or your ex's new partner or Mm. a rant you you know randomly get obsessed with some person you don't even have any connection to and you can't Mm. tell whether you actually hate them or you think they're a mate all all these um incredibly complex internal impulses that you just described I'm like is this what's that expert like the medium is the message like is this the result of social media or does social media provide just a very unhealthy outlet for these kind of human impulses? Well, I I mean, maybe it's that we would have known that person before. You would have known Mm. a lover's other lover because they would have been in the same sort of friendship network as you. You wouldn't have had access to as many people as we do now. Um. So you would have known vaguely about them. You would have gone to the same dinner parties. Like There was much more like, communal space than we do now where we're much more yeah. atomized um or conversely you wouldn't know them at all and you wouldn't know their name and you certainly wouldn't have an accompanying visual for them slash 493 photos of them dating back to 2015 that you could explore you know <laughs> like, it's it's actually like so fucked up and then that also is something that you you know these kind of incredibly sh- shameful like cyber journeys that many of us have te- you know gone gone down at one point or another in our lives like one of the things the book is so good on is sort of the levels to which this woman excavates information about her, the other woman's life and actually how much you can terrifyingly if you're really obsessed the amount that you can actually figure out from someone yeah is- but and also it's like we're in a world where we we have given away our privacy right And really, this goes back to like 2001, apparently just before, um, just before, uh, in 2001, they were about to um, pass loads of laws about privacy on on the internet. Mm. And then um, the final, then I think that Twin Towers happened and everything got uh, sidelined for this. Right. So we missed our chance to protect our privacy online. Mm. And really, it's just a loss of privacy and also how we're willing to give up our privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and our networks have just got huge, but also like really small and weak. Because <laughs> like you yeah. say, you live in this big city and you don't live near your friends, you know, that, and that, yeah. those sorts of things do determine quality of life in like a real 100%. way. And so when you're sitting at home alone, not with your friends, looking at someone's shiny life, you can feel shit. And also then, you know, you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to disappear for about an hour and just go into this vortex of like comparison. Mm. Um, But I didn't want to be moralizing about it. Really, all I wanted to do was take a photograph in a way of like what what it's like. You know, who knows, maybe in two years, this book will completely date. Um, which I'm also happy about because I just wanted to capture what it is now. It was a very now book. Mm. Um, I mean, even the rent in it, uh, there's rent price in it, and that's out of date because it's so much more now. There, right. there is I've put rent in there, and I was asking whether I should update it, and someone was like, "No, you should leave it because it was." Well, you true have to, to update the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, 
So I was, and I was thinking, she goes, it's not, it's going to look really crazy to have like 1,200 for a two bed in South London. When really it's <laughs> yeah. now you know what I mean? It's like, that's not, not right. And, and it was right, but it's not right now. And so I was like, oh God, that's dated. But then maybe it's okay that it dates, you know? Yeah. It's like a fossilization of, of now. Yeah. I mean, on a um, sort of uh, social level, I, I hope it does date because I do think it, and I don't mean um, stylistically, I think it will still be very valid on that level, but I hope that this um, particular strain of like, it's hard to not read it as some sort of like mass psychosis, maybe not psychosis, yeah. but some yeah, mass yeah. moment of mental illness, because <laughs> again, it does, you know, the, the character that you've created is extreme, of course, you know, she's yeah. an extreme character. And I wouldn't say I went through it being like, mm, yes, very relatable. Like, you know, this, she's very just self-destructive in a lot of ways, but of course, and I'm sure this has been the experience of many people who've read, read it. There are moments where you're like, Oh, I've done that fucking yeah. crazy thing and like felt really like but weird about what it. I wanted, what I wanted to do was like put shame in there. Yeah. And I think that, and shame is universal. There's no, totally. there's no place where there's no real feeling that any one of us have had that any one of us haven't had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've all had the same emotions. Right. And I think that's what, I, and I wasn't thinking externally, like, will people relate to this? That's not where I was. I was like, I'm just going to make this person the most ugly, the most violent, the most jealous, the most vulnerable, the most bitter, the most petty person I can hope to mm. make. And, and you know, almost see this person breaking down and, and losing their place in the world. Mm. And that's where I was coming from, was like, I'm going to do that. And then, and then thought this is to me felt quite extreme the voice mm. and, and what she says and um I was just hoping that I wouldn't get cancelled really that's interesting I was, I was, quite, I was quite scared because it's like how harsh like you know calling other women a cow and being so mean and you know going into a, you know doing the vindictive things that she does and mm. um and also characters get conflated with the writer. So I was like, mm. okay, what, what I, and, you know, say that there's this whole chapter about non-white people and the things that you do to get accepted by whiteness and, and figuring that out and how to say that took a really long time to figure out how to say, how to say exactly what it is that I meant, because the thought felt so um, above my head that bringing it down to earth and like, putting words to it well it took like a year before I actually felt like I said what I was saying with those bits um and that felt quite that like it felt quite dangerous to, to accuse like the you know the community for wanting status and also you know yeah, it just all felt very <laughs> is that it when you're that that specific um passage that you're talking about is that the chapter titled there's no business like yeah that's so funny because I literally have put my little bookmark in on that page with the book which I've got with me because to me that was the chat and the chapters are very short and you know like they like they sting and that I read that chapter so many times because that was the one I was like this obviously I'm a white woman so I don't have first-hand experience of this particular um depiction of like I mean you could articulate a lot better than I can uh you know I suppose participating in a system you know leveraging identity as a means of accessing capitalist system and then mm. the conf the internal conflict that brings yeah. but I I would say that I think anyone who is I think particularly anyone who's making any kind of creative work or trying to work with brands or institutions experiences that conflict on some level you're like on one level yeah. you're like, I hate this shit I hate this system I hate the way that it forces me to behave as you say to hand over my privacy my identity my my image but at the same mm. time I want the money and the status yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I said like I'm very I don't know it just took I I, I wrote it and it just it was edit, I just had to rewrite it rewrite it rewrite it and it was mm. It took about 12 months until I finally was like, 
okay, I've said it. I've said all the words are saying exactly what, like they're doing everything that I need them to do. Yeah. It felt like that, that bit felt like real sculpture, just getting yeah. down into the ideas. Um, and it was hard and I was very afraid of it. Very mm. afraid of saying what I was saying because um, it just felt dangerous. Have you had a lot of... It, like, I actually thought I was like flirting with the like metaphorical death because I was thinking if this is it if I put this out and everyone hates it that's it it's over like I'll never be able to do anything again I think so many people would relate to that sentiment but not when I when we first started talking I said I feel like you've articulated so many um like nuances of the way that you know this sort of like digital the way that social media has impacted you know uh so many different power structures that was the one that I was like that that is a very specific contemporary struggle that I think so many people just don't yeah. know how to navigate have you had a lot of response to that particular bit of the book yeah I do get people asking um just talking yeah talking about that bit mm. most yeah because it's so accusatory but also and at the beginning when I wouldn't read it because I was a bit afraid of it. Um, and now when I read it, it feels like it's accusing me. <laughs> so I find right. it quite hard because I'm like, oh, like, yeah, how much have you signed up for this system? You know, you know? it's like yeah. before I felt quite righteous about it because I had no stake. And now I feel like I've got a bit more of a stake and like anything I anything I do, like go do a talk or um, I am actually judging a prize later this year. And I'm like, yeah. like I like can't almost bear to read it because I'm like you, you you it's like a pound of flesh really it's like you don't know what it is that you're giving up but I think this idea of like identity I find quite um limiting I hate putting words on myself to define myself I hate mm-hmm. it I feel like they've imp- they'd, they'd imprison me yeah um and then to be called on on those reasons feels limiting to me too mm-hmm it's so funny going to these meetings this week because I've like just, I haven't washed my hair in two weeks and I went like in the same outfit to all of them over like three days mm-hmm. and I didn't care what it looked like. I barely put any makeup on and I was like, I'm here because of my brain, not because of how I look. Mm. And that felt quite, I don't know, that felt quite liberating to be yeah. there because how I think, not because of what I look like. Yeah. I think- you know, not to be at the face of a campaign because you're a non-white person, therefore you'll make the brand look like they're more accepted. You know, it's like what yeah. are you, what are we selling and what are you buying and what are we what is it that is actually at stake here? Mm-hmm. Um, and how you have to be protective over those things of yourself. Mm. I think, well, I suppose, and really, you know, as you because the book has been, you know, received so many accolades and it's been um, nominated for so many prizes. And uh, I'm sure that must be quite overwhelming for you, given it's your first um, book and like you've been thrown into this, you know, sphere of, like you say, kind of navigating the the the, the challenges of that, that chapter articulates firsthand. But then you've obviously already like you going to a meeting in a fancy members club without washing your hair is like that's your that's your personal re- act of rebellion, right? Or yeah, that's your rejection. Right. You know, it's like you're fi- already finding your small ways to be like fuck this, by the way. I don't like I don't, <laughs> I'm here but I'm I don't you know, like I'm not going to dress up for you. Like I'm not going to dance yeah, for yeah. you. I'm not going to be the sort of aesthetically pleasing person that you can like yeah, p- put on your, ins- I don't know, just like that's to me, that's like an interesting, it's almost like, um, it's like that's so subconscious. I wouldn't yeah. have thought about it like until you said it. Yeah. Maybe that is, it's a, an act of rebellion. Right. Like, I'm not going to be like, Oh God, I'm so pleased to meet you. I oh, was thank you like, so much yeah. for having me here. I yeah, am in my like, best dress. Yeah. And I just was like, I've got this one Uniqlo jumpsuit. I just don't take off. It's like a uniform. And I was like, I'm not going to wash my hair. Every morning I was out, I'm going to wash my hair and I didn't. (laughs) Um, I think it's, I think so. uh, I think that what you said about not wanting to, you don't like having words put on you and you know, that's very human, isn't it? Right. And that is again, one of these, um, I think going back to why social media feels so inherently weird, even after us all living with it for, you know, 10 plus years, um, it's just, it's just so it's, it's not, 
it's like antithetical to the human to human nature and yet some people you know the 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 woman the subject of your of your protagonist's obsession this woman is obviously you know the embodiment of someone who's managed to hone a brand and like she she's like nailed like the nuances of her taste and her imagery and even the captions she uses and like all these you know hyper specific um you know uh expressions that that someone who's really 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 good at instagram or it's not it's not only that it's someone of a higher class being on instagram telling you how you can be more like them but you'll never be like them because there's something inherent to them that makes them them and Mm -hmm. you can buy all of the bloody things that they want you to buy but you'll Mm. never be like them you know because that is so inbuilt in your body so it's Mm. almost like beyond the brand because it's who they are and there's this unspoken thing of like this aspiration versus what what social media pretends to be, which is quite democratic and open. Mm. But it's like a glass building where you can see into it. They yeah. can see out. And you can't get in. It's like, it's very interesting. But also it's just, it's a very, the, the book is old. It's an old p- power and jealousy are forever exactly and also you know another chapter that I really one of the really brief chapters that I was like is the one it's called a bump where she the protagonist talks about um that maybe her obsession with this man is really just because she wants his money and power and it's not to do with him as a person at all and that's Mm. obviously that as you say a tale as old as time like you know women being not not being granted power themselves and therefore having to access it through a man that they compete with another woman to win his attention. Like that's the oldest story in the book, right? So old, so old. And I I love stories like that because you always get stories about artists like that. There's so many stories of artists like in the 60s, 70s, whatever, older than that. Yeah. Like I read um, Francois Gillot's biography, autobiography about um, her time with, Picasso I um, right. so many times that alongside I love Dick and I feel like those two books are I mean there's many books that influence I'm a fan but those two books really worked a number on me mm. um a few years ago and I read them almost in tandem I would read one then I'd read the other and I read I read both of them maybe about 10 times but really on roll, I'd read one I'd read the Gilo one then I'd go to I love Dick then I'd go back to Gilo and then back to I love Dick Look, I was right. like spinning between the two of them for like months at one point because you and think that they captured funny. that sort of obsessive uh, or the I do you know what's mad so many of my friends love I love Dick and I and a friend actually kindly gave it to me and I couldn't finish it no I, it's hard oh I found it I it's wanted hard. to because I, so many people who are, you know, whose reading tastes I like align with think it's amazing. And I was like, maybe yeah. I just need to keep pushing it. I just, I found it insufferable. <laughs> well, maybe that's it's just very, it's like those It's like those Japanese, there's this whole um, uh, kind of slate of books about Japanese court culture. And I think... I'm not familiar um, with well, well there's, I haven't read many of them, but there's yeah. like there's a tale, a tale of Genji. That's this sort of prince, princess court drama. There's lots of like there used to be all these like gossip books within the court um, okay. circle, which I think primarily women would write about the court dramas, and then they would become quite you know gossipy and big within the mm. circles. But everybody mm. would know them talking about someone, but nobody would know who it was. Mm. And I think I Love Dick does that same thing. Because right. she's quite influenced by Kathy uh, Acker, who mm. who does that sort of gossipy New York yeah. art circle, but- which I normally love, by the way. Like I normally yeah. love those kind of like downtown New York eighties. If you know, I you know. Her. If you know, yeah. you know. Kind of like if you know who these people are, you know. But if and New York is like as I said, I lived there for a few years. It is. I mean, it's kind of fucked up, but it's like deliciously like that. It's like well, if you don't know. If you don't know who Dick, <laughs> if you don't know who Dick is, like, sorry, because <laughs> obviously Dick is based on a real person who's also yeah. an influential cultural theorist himself. But yeah, yeah, that's in, and it's kind of it's just a, a bit depressing, but uh, very real that you know up until this day, and also in very recent history, as you as I think you're saying, like women who so many women felt kind of consciously or subconsciously have resorted to 
sleeping with successful men as a way to increase their own cultural capital or their own yeah but I mean and you know Anne Boleyn did it right so it's you know it's really old that idea so I was quite interested in and social media is almost like a sort of side to that actual what is quite old which is jealousy and power and Mm. you know the social media just is like a fuck now you've got this like search engine basically where you Mm. can google all these people it's just a new way to demonstrate very very old behavior right and it but Mm. still I mean I would I'm sure that there's exceptions but I don't think I've heard of many of my male friends saying that they like obsessively cyber stalk an ex's partner you know uh, oh, wow. men, men say it too. do you reckon i don't maybe they just I don't know. admit to it to me but of course i know <laughs> so every woman i know is like stalked oh, no, every woman i know does it too yeah which is why i was so interested i mean that's why it was like lots of disparate things kind of influenced it and i was just thinking it's so funny this idea that you would you would look someone up before you meet them i, mm. I don't do it actually i just sort of meet people as they are mm. but i know people who do google you know before you before you meet someone you'd google them or even in a social situation, whatever. It's like, it's just a, such a strange little quirk of a behaviour that we've never really done before. Mm-hmm. Or, or the thing way. of meeting someone, knowing who they are and pretending you don't know who or they pretending are. Pretending that you don't know who they are. And like, that is mm. weird to me. Like, what, I find that oh, weird. You, 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 oh, and it's like, no, you know, because you were with them on holiday, except you watched it online. Like, you just know everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, did you, did you go to Italy? It's like, yes, you know, because I posted fucking gelato every day. It's like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like that idea of like pretending that you don't know is just it's like what are we doing that for and that's shadow that that speaks to shadow it's like what are we trying to present ourselves as as, as we don't do that behavior yeah so it was everything that we wouldn't admit or I wouldn't admit or that I know friends around me would do but would never tell anyone that they would do I was like okay that's going in you know like violence and she's violent and um violence is acted upon her you know in all all different kinds of ways Mm. but what I also wanted was her not to be a victim I didn't want it to be a victim story at all Mm. it wasn't I didn't want it to be a story of like oh this guy is a dick to her and you know she's just really sad about it why won't he be with her it's like no she's actually a threat like I I wanted it to be that she's a threat yeah she's uh she's got her own her own (laughs) agenda for sure um so yeah you must I I, I, it seems the book has been so successful and that, that's incredible. You, how, how do you feel about, because you, you, day to day you work in TV, is that right? Yeah, uh, not at the minute, but yeah, I do. I, yeah, I just finished a job a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I work in TV and then writing was is on the side really. And do you plan to keep it that way? Do you like that kind of dissection? I like of... Two, yeah, I like doing two things. I like being really, really, really busy and I like having a foot in it. A foot in both and a foot out of both. Do you do like production easy. work in TV or are you writing in TV? No, I am. Um, I'm. am crew, so I. I'm okay. a first AD, so I work on set. So that must be quite a nice separation of doing something that's quite manual, physical, and like active, and you're on your feet versus like the weird isolation of sitting in a room writing a book. Yeah, yeah, it's true, and I like them both because I love being outside. Mm. Like that's why I can't work in an office. I've like I figured that out quite early. I was like, oh, I, I tried office work, and I was just like, actually, I can't do this. It's mind numbing mm. to like never feel like the task is finished. Mm. So depressing to me. It's like every day is the same, and every mm. day is the same task, which never ends. Whereas yeah. on set, you're like, I've got to shoot these five scenes, and then once we finish today, we'll never see those five scenes again. You know, I'm, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to do five other scenes tomorrow. We're going to be somewhere new. It's like mm. like. I envy I that my friends like, who work in like TV or they even do shoots. Like when the job is done, you're wrapped and it's done. done. Oh, I can't Finished. even, I feel like I've had homework for my entire life. Like it never, yeah. like you say, it never, it's never over. I can close the it's laptop, crazy. but there's always more that I could be doing. Whereas like yeah. when you've done the job, you've got paid, like it's over until the next Finished. one begins. Yeah, and you've got to like find the next one. So I really, really like that kind of tick. Mm. And I like working with other people a lot. And, um, yeah, I like, I like the sort of cowboyness of it. It's, mm. it's quite, it's quite fun how that, practical it is and how commonsensical you have to be, you know, this right. is, and there's nothing like lofty or creative. It's like, how do we get from here to there? 
and how or you know how do we get from this shot to the other shot or how do we save 20 minutes here it's like very practical which I quite enjoy no I think I think a lot of writers would probably benefit from having a more practical (laughs) like not side job sounds but you know like an additional form of employment because I think writing is torturous for so many people and part of that is just that they try to do it for too long for too much for too you know um that said are you are you working on anything else or are you just having an extended break not for really, now? no yeah. not at the minute um no I'm just I would love to be writing something else so I've got my antenna up but no, nothing's coming at the moment but it would I mean be- fair, it's such an annoying question and I almost like loathe to ask it because it's like you've just written a book and I'm sure like <laughs> you, just the publicity and the promotion is like another job in and of itself but it's always when you read something by someone who's like you know style that you really resonates with you you're always like okay so ah. what, what are you thinking <laughs> what's the plan <laughs> um yeah, it would be really great to be writing something I just um yeah I'm like really envious of people that write every two years um or or like I'm writing my third book I'm like you've just put out your second one you've just put out your first one how are you doing this um yeah but uh I'd love to be like that I just hope I am like that you said that you're a reader though do you read and what's your reading every day or like in peer intense periods or um I like reading on the tube Mm. and sometimes like I'll read on the tube I'll always have a book on me I actually took a book to a festival once and my friend was like what the fuck are you doing I was like well, never know. I need it you never know you absolutely <laughs> never know <laughs> um yeah I like always having a book on me that does that's not to say that I read it all the time but I like having one on me it's like a bit of a comfort blanket what have you read um, anything but, recently that you particularly yes like? I have I've read I've had a really good run of really great books actually oh that's a good I feeling mean, I love it so yeah. much I read Stillborn, it's Pizzcarraldo, which is just, I wish I wrote it. It's so good. I'm not familiar with that. What's it about? It's, um, it's about two friends uh, and motherhood and friendship and family. And it's incredible. And love, really. Yeah. And it really, I couldn't read anything for about, I had like a bit of a hangover afterwards. And I couldn't read anything for like a day or so afterwards because mm. it was just really working its way through me and I was very mm-hmm. moved actually mm. and the more I thought about it the more I was moved by it and it kind of hit me much like afterwards what it all meant and I thought that is so, so poetic and beautiful mm. um so I definitely recommend reading that one um and a few books that are due to come out in September that um are really really great that really blew my mind mm. but like it's to the point where I couldn't put them down and I love reading like that where I'm like I kind of can't you know do anything else other than get to the end of this book which can you get um, give us a name of one of those I'm always looking so, um Stillborn was one yeah. Cold Enough for Snow is another Fitzcarraldo it's won like a bajillion awards that one but it's really beautiful um and quite a uh introverted narrative mm. it's an introverted book but it's very beautiful mm. and then um Naomi Klein's got a new non-fiction book coming out called Doppelganger which is fucking amazing and that's due out in September what's that about it's about it's basically it's like a big book kind of talking about conspiracy theories and the doubling of society and the doubling wow. of our identities and how that works online and about uh disability and uh, at one point she goes into israel palestine and uh yeah it's like really epic and great and diagnostic in a way that i felt like deep relief when i read it a great feeling yeah and um there's a book called a sheep's clothing by celia dale she's dead but um i think dawn have like you know, got her back catalogue. So they, they published A Helping Hand last year and they're about to publish Sheep's Clothing. Sheep's, I'd say, I really enjoyed A Helping Hand, but I'd say Sheep's Clothing is better. It's about London and London in the 50s, I think, just after the war, and about these two women that are like scammers and how they navigate Sweet. London. And it's amazing. It's like so modern and you mm. can kind of see it on, you could watch that. I could, I really watched it. And at the end I gasped, like I couldn't believe the end. Like you can see it coming and you're just like, I just don't want it to end like that. And I just couldn't, I had to, I was just stopped everything I was doing just to read it. So 
those I've really enjoyed those okay that's a very solid recommendations list not many people can like (laughs) reel off like five really good books so thank you for that I appreciate it because I do you have like a style of writing that you're most commonly drawn to are you just all over the place with no, I'm more a bit all over the place. Yeah. yeah, a bit all over the place. I do like non-fiction. I know I'm all over the place. I'm I'm quite open with reading. I quite I don't mind um, like not knowing. And kick the latch as well. That's also really good. That came out at the beginning of the year. Um, but it's very. It's this. It's like fragmented mm. about um, the, this horse handler, and it's it's a really great. It's really great. But no, I'll just, if someone says that a book is good, I'll give it a go. And like, I love Dick. I struggled with it. Like, I didn't understand all the terms, but I stick with it. So recently I picked Maybe up I'll go back to habit. It. I abandoned books, so recently I abandoned them. Do you I think that's a bad habit? Before. I think that's perfectly fine. I think if it's... Bit, yeah, for... I've never done that before until like a few months ago, and I feel like really terrible, like I've abandoned children. No, life's too short to read a book. I mean, that you, that you don't, that doesn't grab you. I... The only exception to that is I think sometimes I get quite lazy about like I don't I like I if a book's a bit challenging, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, the, to be fair, it's probably a lot to do with the amount of hours I've spent scrolling my phone that my like, you know, my receptors are a bit. So sometimes I do yeah. push, push myself. I'm like, come on, Phoebe, you can read a hard book. <laughs> <laughs> what like, have you read recently that you like? And I've what read- do you consider a hard book? Um, I suppose a hard book, like, you know, it's very easy for me to read contemporary fiction that I feel is like quite aligned somehow with my life experience or something I can really grip onto. Sometimes I find it more difficult to tap into like another, even though obviously books are all about escapism and that's kind of part of the wonder of them. I think I have gotten a bit, that's how I've gotten a bit lazy intellectually where, um, I will often just want something that feels kind of familiar in some way. Mm. Um, I was reading a book. I just went on holiday and I was, uh, I haven't finished it yet, but I was reading a book called mating by Norman Rush. Have you heard of that book? No, I haven't. It kind of, it was published in the, I think 1991 and it's kind of like had like a cult resurgence recently. Um, and it's, I don't even know how I could explain it. It's set in Botswana, um, I think in the like late eighties and it's about a white woman out there and she meets a man who's like running an experimental matriarchal society. And wow. yeah, it's really like, like not anything that you're not like, mm, this is, I recognize this, you know, but it's, it, it's, that's great. I enjoyed that. Um, I just started reading a book by a Brazilian writer called Clarice Lispector, Lispector, you know, that writer. Okay. I, d- I didn't know her work. And then I like was reading some book recommendations from someone online that I thought seemed interesting. And so, um, I've just started reading, I can't remember what it's called right now. Cause I just started reading it yesterday. So the title is not imprinted in my mind, but that's really interesting. The kind of opening um, she's sorry, I just Googled her. She's so interesting looking woman. She's like a, she's Ukrainian, but she like her family emigrated to the U S um, to Brazil when she was like a teenager. And then she had this crazy, this crazy upbringing. And she wrote this book, which I think, I think the book that I'm reading is considered, sorry, I'm trying to find the title. Um, I think it's considered to be like, it's like a modern classic in Brazil. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but of course, when you, you know, you don't, you don't know of these like in other languages it's quite rare to encounter books why can't I find it I'll send it I'll email it to you I should remember yeah, it, but it to me. that's really I like, interesting I'm getting into reading classics actually just to yeah I feel like I haven't read so many classics I've heard they're quite good <laughs> <laughs> I read Madame Bovary when I was in Rome and I was, it's so, it's really modern actually. As somebody who's aspirational and who gets themselves into lots of trouble and debt and I don't know, there's just so many things in it. Some of it was a bit of slog, but other bits of it, I was like, that could be now. It's so, so modern. I haven't even read Middlemarch. I was about to say, I haven't even read Middlemarch. Have you read it? No, I read it at uni, but I've got, I found my uni copy and I've got it lined up. So I think I might read it. Um, I mean, I think it's considered to be like one of the best of all time, right? So I'm always like, probably should read Middlemarch, Phoebe. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it's good for your brain to like 
stretch into other worlds and it's good you know it's good no, for, like, to know I, like, what, what plot is <laughs> yeah and I as I said I've gotten a bit lazy and I, I read a lot of like articles online like too many I've yeah. you actually re- reference um, Martine Sims in your book which I love because I I know Martine um she's a friend of mine in LA and she is a brilliant woman like she's like a I freaking genius so and she I, know, I was reading an interview with her recently and she was like a few years ago she was like why do I read articles online she's like I just have to she's like I realized I was reading so many articles online and then I was like why am I doing this not saying there's no good articles online of course there's loads but I've fallen into a bad habit of like I'll just read any old bloody opinion piece any old yeah yeah and then you're like but I'm reading (laughs) I'm reading but I'm just reading it's almost like scrolling the feed equivalent of reading like it doesn't feel as it doesn't feel as like uh numbing but it kind of like I said I've gotten into a bad habit of just wanting more of this it's like my the algorithm has really penetrated and I'm only drawn to like the same it's almost like I seek it out let me just find stuff that in some way already resonates with the experience I'm having of the world which is not it's not good it's not good so I'm definitely like on a mission that's why I'm reading this book from the six you know 1960s Brazil and yeah um early 90s uh Botswana no no Um, I think that's really good though it's really good it's good and even if it's hard it's just pushing through sometimes I'm like I've I used to have like the most unbelievable concentration as a kid and then my phone's just totally fucked with it and um so I'm just trying to it's only really books that really grip you that Mm -hmm. stop you from scrolling phones why why I love washing up because I can't touch my phone Mm, I like driving for that reason I'm just like just me in the road yeah just me in the road yeah my friend was like you can still look at your phone when you're driving I'm like oh my god well I know you theoretically can but like I'm really trying a I'm trying not to cause a car crash and b I like the meditative feeling of just like yeah yeah being on the road just looking at the road um but yeah no it's I'm I'm I think in the summer, I do lean towards. I just read that book, The Guest by Emma Klein, which run. Which oh, yeah, was, is it good? Um, yeah, it's stylistically, it's really, it's well, you know, it's a well written book for sure, and okay, cool. it's kind of a book where there's no plot really, which is fine. Yeah. It's got quite a frustrating ending. Um, it was good. I kind of was the kind of book where I'm like, oh, I could have lived without like paying for the hardback of that. Do you know what I mean? Like well, I read I it, I read it really quickly, but not in a way that it was like satiating, just like, I just, that's what I mean. The kind of book where I'm like, there's too, this is too easy for me to read. Not because it's a yeah. simplistic book, but that's not really, there's n- I don't think I'll ever really think about that book ever again. I think you should read Stillborn. You should make that your next book. No, I, I will. Think really like that was it. a strong recommendation. Yeah, you, should, you would really like it, I think, because it's yeah. And I think I think translated translated fiction is um, a really good way of getting outside of your own taste as well. I just like being told what to do. Like if someone tells me to read a book, I'll read it. Yeah, it's quite. It's but then yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, like I said, I love Dick. I spent years building up to reading that book, and then. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back to it. You know what? I think that the cultural importance of that book is because when she wrote it in the 90s, she was um, maligned um, by like all these male critics by being told that she's basically just written a diary and there's nothing, no craft in it whatsoever. Yeah. And then it was only 20 years later. Really, I think like Greta Gerwig and Lena Dunham have used that book mm. as a way a foundational way to create television Mm. and now the way that they make television or make films is the way Mm. that we talk about storytelling so I just it beyond its importance like it's it's culturally extremely important as an object and the middle bit you do you do struggle because she's she talks she's talking to a very inside crowd about the things that she's talking about I think like stylistically the idea of she and why that's why I read Madame Bovary because she they reference Madame Bovary in that book Mm. so it's a really interesting textual layer to Mm. a a connection between classic and then television really yeah um yeah, so I think you don't even really have to understand all of it in order to absorb what it is. I don't, you know, and I don't actually think liking or not liking that's kind of irrelevant. Mm. You just have to; things are important whether they you like them or not. I'm, you know? sh- I'm I think I'm um, sure I'll pick it back up. But yeah, I read like the first third, and I was like, "Oof, this is." 
I kind of was like it's picking it up like, like it's, it's, yeah it's difficult but it's it's also this idea of like taking an obsession and then she uses Dick as a way to access you know she uses him as a way to access something like she's kind of making a magnum magna, magnum opus like Mm. she's got a failing career and she talks about money which I fucking love it that she talks mm. about money that she's got these properties and how she flips them and yeah. nobody talks about money nobody fucking talks about money or the price of things or how they write or anything like that mm, you know mm-mm. nobody talks about it it's like this thing that just like descends from heaven onto you but I really like that she talks about like the, the nuts and bolts of her life and how it is that she's able to do the things that she does and like mm. finance and uses the rent and like Silver's status as a way to finance her own mm-hmm. projects and the resentment she has from the people around her uh, mm. about that and that she's ugly and how that makes people treat her really badly mm. and I think that's really interesting yeah <laughs> it's a really no, it's interesting 100% my um it, I, def- I didn't read it thinking oh this is shit it was no, just no, like, I'm not saying yeah it. it's just yeah it's just I it is a difficult book. I don't think you have to read some, some books have to be read more than once. I'm such a fan of reading books multiple times. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, sometimes, I mean, I read that book 10 times before I actually started, I started to get it. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think you have sometimes some books you have to read more than once. I think I will, I will, I'll go back. I, 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 as I get... you, grow into them. you grow into them as well. Too many people have, seem to have some kind of experience that book for me to disregard it so I will go back to it (laughs) but also you know just because other people like it doesn't mean you have to like it as well but I agree with you that I feel whether I like it or not I feel like it's something that I should I should finish it that and Middlemarch (laughs) (laughs) I love Dick and Middlemarch (laughs) yeah the the canon (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, well, thank you so, so much for making the time to do this, Sheena. I really enjoyed yeah, speaking with you. And um, yeah, everyone, this book was actually recommended to me by an 18-year-old, can I say, who works in rough, so happy. He works in rough trade. And he, I don't think he reads a lot. I don't I hope that's not like, um, I hope no, I'm not incorrect saying, really but I don't happy. think he reads a lot. And But we were talking about books because I have li- the library space and he would pass in and out of it. And he was like, I was like, have you read anything recently? He's like, I've read this book called I'm a fan because <laughs> I think he works in rough trade like sometimes and and uh, oh so he'd obviously God. encountered it there so yeah shout out Kieran for the recommendation oh my God. thank you Kieran that makes me really happy yeah he's a sweetie um Aww. all right yeah well thank you again and um look forward to any future projects as and when as and when no pressure thank you, thank you. Thanks thank 